0: We read the word of the Lord this morning in Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah 9. Oh, that my head were waters, and mine eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place of wayfaring men, that I might leave my people and go from them, for they be all adulterers, an assembly of treacherous men. and They bend their tongues like their bow for lies, they are not valiant for the truth upon the earth. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they know not me, saith the Lord. Take ye heed, every one of his neighbor, and trust ye not in any brother. For every brother will utterly supplant, and every neighbor will walk with slanders. And they will deceive every one his neighbor, and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies and weary themselves to commit iniquity. Thine habitation is in the midst of deceit. Through deceit they refuse to know me, saith the Lord. Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will melt them and try them. For how shall I do for the daughter of my people Their tongue is as an arrow shot out. It speaketh deceit. One speaketh peaceably to his neighbor with his mouth, but in heart he layeth his weight. Shall I not visit them for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? For the mountains will I take up a weeping and wailing, and for the habitations of the wilderness a lamentation because they are burned up, so that none can pass through them, neither can men hear the voice of the cattle, both the fowl of the heavens and the the beasts are fled, they are gone. And that will make Jerusalem heaps, and a den of dragons. And that will make the cities of Judah desolate, without an inhabitant. Who is the wise man that may understand this? And who is he to whom the mouth of the Lord hath spoken, that he may declare it? For what the land perisheth, and is burned up like a wilderness, that none passeth through. And the Lord saith, because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, neither walked therein, but have walked after the imagination of their own heart, and after Balaam which their fathers taught them. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will feed them, even this people, with wormwood, and give them water of gall to drink. I will scatter them also among the heathen, whom neither they nor their fathers have known. And I will send a sword after them, till I have consumed them. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider ye, and call for the mourning women, that they may come, and send for the cunning women, that they may come, and let them make haste, and take up a wailing for us, that our eyes may run down with tears, and our eyelids gush out with waters. For a voice of wailing is heard out of Zion, How are we spoiled? We are greatly confounded because we have forsaken the land, because our dwellings have cast us out. Yet hear the word of the Lord, O ye women, and let your ear receive the word of his mouth, and teach your daughters wailing, and every one her neighbor lamentation. For death is come up into our windows and is entered into our palaces to cut off the children from without and the young men from the streets. Speak, thus saith the Lord, even the carcasses of men shall fall as dung upon the open field and as the handful after the harvest man and none shall gather them. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness. Judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will punish all them which are circumcised with the uncircumcised Egypt and Judah and Edom and the children of Ammon and Moab and all that are in the uttermost corners. That dwell in the wilderness, for all these nations are uncircumcised. And all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart. Thus far we read God's holy and errant word. May God add his blessing upon the reading of his holy scriptures. It's on the basis of Jeremiah 9 and many other passages of scripture that we find the instruction of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 47. Question 122, which is the first petition? The answer, hallowed be thy name. That is, grant us first rightly... To know thee, and to sanctify, glorify, and praise thee in all thy works, in which thy power, wisdom, goodness, justice, mercy, and truth are clearly displayed. And further also, that we may so order and direct our whole lives, our thoughts, words, and actions, that thy name. May never be blasphemed, but rather honored and praised on our account. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, what we must know at the outset here when looking at the first petition of the Lord's Prayer, Hallowed be thy name, is that we are here asking God for something. That's the nature of a petition. When we petition or request something of God, we are asking God to give unto us something from him. And when we make this first prayer following the model prayer of Jesus Christ saying, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, we must understand here that we are asking something from God. Throughout the course of the sermon, we'll look more closely at what the something is, what is it, that we are asking from God. But right now we must understand we are asking something of God. When we say, Hallowed be thy name, we are not simply stating here a fact that God's name is Hallowed or God's name is Holy. We're not simply making an observation here of an established reality, nor is it that we are simply expressing a a wish, a pious wish or desire, oh, that God's name would be hallowed by other people on the earth. No, when we make this first petition... We ourselves, we as individuals, as we make this petition, are asking God for something. This means, briefly then, I don't have it of myself. I am not able of myself to hallow God's name. If I could hallow God's name of myself, I would never go to God in prayer, beseeching him, hallowed be thy name. It's an honest admission that I can't do it myself. And I'm going to God. But then secondly, that I make this petition, hallowed be thy name, means God. And God only is able to work in my heart so that I do hallow His name. If I'm asking God to work this in my heart so that I hallow His name, then it's a conscious, conscious dependence upon God as the only one who is able to do this. And parents must keep this in mind. Elders, as they do their work, must keep this in mind. Parents cannot cause their children to hallow God's name. Elders, ministers, cannot cause parishioners to hallow God's Nay, But we are going to Almighty God in prayer, beseeching Him to cause His name to be hallowed. And He and He only is able to work in the hearts of men so that they do hallow His name. hallowing the name of our God. First, we'll see that we must do this earnestly. Second, understandingly. Third, humbly. I would have you ask yourself this question, do I earnestly hallow the name of God. When I wake up in the morning time, do I have on the forefront of my name, my mind a desire to hallow the name of God? As I go throughout all of the things that I do in the day, Prepare for work, go out to work, go to school, study, eat food. Do I do everything with a view toward hallowing God's great and holy name? The Christian confesses that by nature, I do not want, nor am I even able to hallow God's name. The honest answer to that question is no. I am not so concerned about hallowing God's great and holy name, but I am more concerned about hallowing my name and about my honor and about my reputation as I stand among men. That was the weakness of Old Testament Israel as Jeremiah the prophet addressed them in Jeremiah chapter 9. It becomes clear throughout the course of this chapter that one of the great weaknesses of the Old Testament nation of Israel was a refusal to hallow the name of God. Jeremiah 9 verse 3, And they bend their tongues like their bow for lies. But they are not valiant for the truth upon the earth. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they know not me, saith the Lord. Evidently, the Old Testament Israelites had lost their love and their devotion for the truth, truths of God. As God spoke unto them through the prophets... The word of God unto them is they are not valiant for the truth upon the earth. There's no longer a passion that lives within them, a zeal and an eagerness to go unto the house of God anymore. Perhaps outwardly they go through the motions, and yet they are not valiant for that truth. What else did the Old Testament Israelites do as they demonstrated their lack of desire to hallow the name of God. The end of verse 3, they know not me. That follows closely upon the heels of not being valiant for the truth. If one is not urgent in praying that God reveal himself unto me, then soon one no longer knows who God is. One no longer understands the holiness, the transcendence, the mercy and the grace of God, and they no longer know me. Do you desire to hallow God's name? Do you understand the power of the threefold enemy as he does everything to prevent you from hallowing God's name. The world will have absolutely nothing to do with hallowing God's name. But to go one step further, It's not just that the world themselves does not want to hallow God's name. The world does not want you to hallow God's name. Instead of the world as the catechism speaks here of what it means to hallow God's name, instead of the world encouraging the church sanctify, glorify, and praise God in all of God's works in which His power, wisdom, goodness, justice, mercy, and truth are clearly displayed, the world would say, look at what man has done. Look at the accomplishments of man across this earth. Look at how man's power and wisdom and goodness is displayed. Don't give praise, honor, and glory to some invisible God in the heavens, but look at the accomplishments and the achievements of man across this earth. And so the world attacks your desire to hallow God's name. How? By setting that Amazon package on your doorstep on Sunday so that you do not think about God. How does the world attack the hallowing of God's name? By playing that ball game on Sunday so that you are no longer valiant for truth. Do you understand that the world hates the hallowing of God's name. Do you understand that your nature hates the hallowing of God's name? It's not just the enemy out there. It's not just the attempts of the world. But it's your and my nature. My nature does not want to see God's power, wisdom, goodness, justice, and truth displayed. But your nature and my nature would rather have my power, my wisdom, my goodness displayed unto others. Recognizing that by nature we do not want to hallow the name of God to make this petition earnestly we do well then to consider what is the significance of hallowing God's name. What is at stake here? Jeremiah chapter 9 helps us understand the absolute importance of hallowing God's name. And what this chapter makes clear unto the discerning reader is that a failure to hallow the name of God leads to the angering of the thrice holy God and compels Him to reach forth with his heavy hand of justice upon those who refuse earnestly to hallow his name. God does not simply wink at those who refuse to sanctify, glorify, and praise his holy name. But the God who reserves justice for himself, reaches forth and either punishes or chastises those who refuse to hallow his name. For the unbeliever, for the unrepentant, the person who is devoid of the spirit and grace of God within his heart, as that individual refuses to hallow the name of God, God reaches down upon him with the heavy hand of punishment. God destroys that individual both temporally and everlastingly. But on the other hand, for the child of God who through weakness has stumbled and who has fallen into sin, who does not have that same urgency and fervency in heart for the glory of God, God does not reach upon that individual with the heavy hand of his wrath, but God reaches down upon that individual with the loving hand of chastisement. God chastises, corrects that individual, showing unto that person the seriousness of refusing to hallow his name. Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 15 What will happen because of the sins of the Israelites Therefore thus saith the Lord God the Lord of hosts the God of Israel Behold I will feed them even this people with wormwood and give them water of gall to drink This is what God does to the nation, to the people who do not hallow His name. Instead of giving unto them the sweet manna from on high, instead of giving unto them water, fresh, instead of giving unto them that land flowing with milk and with honey, God's word is unto them that he will give unto them a rank and a rotten food odious to this, to this smell that will be disgusting to their taste. I will feed them with wormwood and give them water of gall to drink. The New Testament, Church of Jesus Christ, what does that picture? It pictures the food that God gives unto His people. The spiritual food. If God's people are not concerned about hallowing His name, if they are not valiant for the truth, then God will give unto them spiritual food which instead of nourishing their souls unto life everlasting, will be rancid, will be disgusting, will be of no good for the spiritual life of that individual. God will remove the truth from their midst and give unto them false prophets who itch the itching ears but who do not set forth the glorious and pure gospel of God. And then after God gives unto them this foul food and water of gall, then, verse 16, He heightens the weight of His justice upon them. I will scatter them also, Among the heathen, whom neither they nor their fathers have known, and I will send a sword after them till I have consumed them. What is the importance of earnestly desiring that God's name be hallowed? If we do not care about the hallowing of his name, then God will scatter his people, among the heathen. Women would be hired to be mourners and wailers, to weep for the children who are sent out into a foreign land. Fathers would be frustrated and feel totally impotent because they could not stop the relocation of their family into this or that foreign land. That is the seriousness of a refusal to hallow God's name. Who? Who could stand before such justice and wrath of God. Who could say, I'm innocent in this regard? I've always desired to hallow God's name. It's always been on the forefront of my mind. I wake up in the morning time and that's the first thing that I desire that God's name be hallowed. None of us by nature would say, I've, I've done that. That's me now here we stand exposed before the justice of God. Can we hide behind our name? Can we escape the justice of God because of the fact that we are Protestant Reformed? We say, well, I'm a member in this good church. I faithfully come to church Sabbath day after Sabbath day. Can, God give me a little bit of mercy because at least I have my membership in the right place? Then consider what God says in verses 25 and 26. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will punish all them which are circumcised with the un, circumcised, Egypt and Judah and Edom and the children of Ammon and Moab and all that are in the utmost corners that dwell in the wilderness, for all these nations are uncircumcised and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart. God is not so concerned about what one does outwardly, though that is important too. But what God teaches here is what matters is in the heart. Outwardly, one can be circumcised. Outwardly, one could be a a member of the Old Testament nation of Israel. Outwardly, one can be a member of a reformed, conservative, Orthodox Church of Jesus Christ. And yet God said to Old Testament Israel when He visited them in His justice, it doesn't matter if you are circumcised or uncircumcised. What matters is in the heart. Do you desire to hallow God's name? His grace, the Christian says, yes, yes, I do. I see how I have failed to hallow the name of God. And now I plead of thee, Lord, show unto me how I might hallow thy great and thy holy name. The catechism helps us understand how it is that we are to hallow the name of God And it teaches us that we are to do so understandingly. To pray that God's name be hallowed is to pray that we might rightly know God. That we might understand who God is. That's how the catechism starts here. In answer 122, hallowed be thy name, that is, grant us first rightly to know thee. Every confessing Christian says that he has some level of understanding of God. Otherwise, he would not be a confessing Christian. And we're thankful for that knowledge of God that the confessing Christian has. But what the confessing Christian also must understand and confess is, I have but a small beginning in understanding and knowing who God is. And so I want to grow in knowing the Almighty, omnipotent Jehovah and Lord of hosts. I will search for that knowledge of God as one searches for hid treasure, to know God. But how can the creature even begin to know God? The reality is that God is light and God dwells in inaccessible light. For those who are sinful, for those who are in darkness, we cannot of our own selves crawl out of darkness and into the marvelous light of God's presence. God is infinite in His essence and in all of His glorious attributes. And so the man who is finite cannot of himself know or understand this infinite God. How can we know God? The only way that we can know God is through His own condescension unto us. The infinite God must reach down to the level of the finite creature He must come into time, which he himself has created. He must open up the creature's mind. And he himself must speak to that human being so that we who are human beings can know God always. God's revelation unto us is Him reaching down to us. Never must we imagine that we of ourselves reach up and ascend into heaven and that we peer through the windows of heaven because of our own goodness and we through our own efforts come to know this God. It is only because God came down into the sin and misery of this world through the incarnation, suffering, and death of His Son, Jesus Christ, that we can begin to know God. And so that's what we pray then when we pray, hallowed be Thy name. Father, reveal Thyself unto me through Thy Son, Jesus Christ. Grant me rightly to know Thee, to have an understanding of Thee that is in accord with the Holy Scriptures. Not an understanding of Thee according to the imaginations of my heart, not an understanding of Thee based on what I would want my God to be like, but an understanding of Thee that is consistent with the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed in the Reformed creeds. And then it's to pray, hallowed be Thy name, is to pray, Father, Give unto me the ability to hear thy voice. It could very well be that God is speaking unto us, but for one reason or another, we are no longer spiritually sensitive to the voice of God. And perhaps the reason is something that we judge to be an innocent enough of a reason perhaps it's simply because we're so busy or so caught up in the cares and concerns of the things of this earth, so busy tending for the home, so busy taking care of difficulties at work, so busy rearing up our children that we lose the ability to hear the Word of God. So we pray, Father, Father, Give unto me pause from the many things in this earth that would distract me from knowing Thee so that I might hear Thy voice. And if we have come to the point in our lives where it's not just that we're so busy that we don't hear the voice of God, but it's because we do not even want to hear that voice of God, then we pray, God, remove the wickedness out of my heart, so that when Thy voice comes to me through the preaching, through the elders' phone call, through the family devotion. That I might hear and love thy voice. First, grant me to know thee. And then the Catechism goes on. It says that we are to sanctify, to glorify, and to praise thee in all thy works in which Thy power, wisdom, goodness, justice, mercy, and truth are clearly displayed. As follows, does it not from the right knowledge of God, if we are valiant for the truth, if we have an earnestness for the truth and a spiritual receptiveness unto that truth so that the Word of God then lives in our hearts and in our souls, then the response of the Christian is, I want to sanctify and to glorify and to praise this Almighty God for the marvelous works which He has done. A catechism here lists out a number of His attributes. His goodness, His power, His wisdom, His justice, His mercy, His truth. I praise God because... I see the power of God working in my life. I see how God has worked in me a dust creature so that I am fearfully wonderfully made by God. I see how God has breathed into me the breath of life so that I am a living soul, so that I have the ability to think and to know and to understand with spiritual senses the realities of the heavenly kingdom. And so I praise God as God reveals that unto me. I see the justice of God displayed upon this earth as God takes the lowly and exalts the lowly to positions of honor. And as God takes the proud, arrogant man and humbles that man until he's wallowing in the dust. I see the justice of God revealed upon this earth. And how do I respond I praise and I glorify God for His justice revealed. I see the mercy of God revealed. I see how God has not dealt with me according to my sins. How He has not rewarded me according to my iniquities. I see how God in love sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into this world who died that accursed death on the cross for my sake? And how do I respond? By glorifying, honoring, and praising my almighty God. We put forth no conditions in doing this. The catechism says here that We are to glorify and praise Thee in all Thy works. Catechism does not say that we are to glorify God when the conditions are what we want the conditions to be. We do not say, when this trial in my life is finished, then I will hallow God's name. We do not say when this war is over, when this division, this schism has been healed, when inflation comes back down, when this thorn in the flesh is removed, then... I will glorify God. That's not what we confess here. But in all of Thy works, we praise Him. You do not need to be healthy, physically healthy, to glorify God. You do not need to be rich rich with earthly abundance to glorify God. You do not need power, earthly power, to glorify God. What does Jeremiah say? Jeremiah 9, verse 23, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man Glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Indeed, it could well be that if we do have those things, if we do have earthly wisdom, if we do have earthly might and earthly riches, that those serve as a stumbling block to prohibit us or prevent us from glorifying God. No, we need not an abundance of earthly possessions to glorify God. But what is required? What must the Christian have in order to hallow the name of Jehovah? A humble heart. Without a humble and a contrite heart, one will never earnestly desire that the name of God be hallowed. But with a humble heart, the Christian cannot help but respond with a desire that the almighty name of God Be glorified. And so we see that as Jesus Christ gave unto his disciples this first petition, Jesus Christ was instructing them about how they were to view themselves. Our first petition in prayer is not that we might be protected, that we might have all these things that we would desire. But the first petition in prayer is about God. And so the Christian must empty himself of his concerns about his own reputation, about a desire that his name be recognized and praised among men. And with humility seek the reputation of the name of God, verse twenty-four. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Truly to hallow God's name requires a spiritual disposition of the heart in which I am not concerned about myself, but I am filled with a zeal and a passion for the exaltation of God's holy name. And then I yield myself to him. That's how the catechism concludes. That so we may order and direct our whole lives, our thoughts, words, and actions that thy name may never be blasphemed, but rather honored and praised on our account. To pray hallowed be thy name is to pray Father Change me. Change me so that I might order and direct my whole life in such a way that Thy name be praised. Change me. Transform me into the image of Thy Son, Jesus Christ. And if that means that I must be led into difficult places, if that means that I must be squeezed with the afflictions of this earth, if that means that I must walk that lonely road through the valley of the shadow of death, then, Father, Lead me there so that I might learn to glorify and praise thy name above all. Amen. Let us pray. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name. Give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Amen.